Welcome to another ROI of uh, Yoga podcast. Uh, today, I'm uh, very grateful to have uh, Daniela Robino as uh, my guest and uh, yoga teacher, but also myofunctional therapy um, expert and uh, Oxygen Advantage instructor. Um, so multiple hats uh, that uh, she's wearing and uh, a lot of knowledge, of course, that come with these hats. So I'm looking forward to delving into all these different uh, um, areas of uh, her expertise and how they come together. So welcome, Daniela. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, I would uh, like to, to start by giving us a little bit of uh, your background and uh, how you, you come today to be working as a yoga teacher and my functional therapy expert and, of course, a breathwork instructor. So, I, as you said, I am a yoga teacher. Um, from teaching yoga, I was really interested in the breath and breathwork, and I know I needed to learn more about it. Um, and it was, I always felt that I was instructing it wrong. Um, so I did loads and loads of research, um, found Buteyko breathing, then from there found the oxygen advantage um, and of course that's all backed up um, with sort of you know research from the last 20 years um, and it completely makes sense and from there I then became interested in my, my functional therapy um, and it was from really my sisters having children and their children um, being tongue-tied and that tongue-tied um, not being released um, as when they were babies, the, they were advised that, you know, it's fine, the tongue-tie won't affect them later on in life. Um, and then seeing how it did and seeing how my sister's children were breathing um, led me to do loads of research and find my functional therapy. Um, and... Yes, I studied um, with Sarah Hornsby doing a myofunctional therapy course. Um, at the moment, because I'm not a dentist, um, a hygienist or a speech therapist, I can't actually practice myofunctional therapy. Um, but I do work in a myofunctional therapy clinic in Holly Street on the breath re-education side of things. Um, but yes, hopefully eventually I'll get to practice myofunctional therapy. Excellent. So... Going back to this uh, instance of uh, your sister's children having a tongue tie, at what age uh, were they and at what age are uh, kids diagnosed with this condition? Uh, what are the signs that uh, parents maybe have to keep an eye on in regards to identifying if there is such an issue for their kids? So um, they can be sort of, you know, it can be done at, at birth. Um, but if it sort of gets misdiagnosed, I guess, um, there can be problems with swallowing, um, reflux, um, later on in life, speech issues, uh, normally forming the letter R can be quite difficult. Um, teeth grinding, um, not latching when they're breastfeeding, um, mouth breathing, of course. Um, there's some of the sort of symptoms connected. 
And they, from what you're telling me, the diagnosis may come from birth all the way to the years of when speech starts um, taking place. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Or we, even in adults, like um, adults suffering with digestive issues, chronic headaches, poor dental health, grinding of the teeth, snoring, posture, forward head posture. Um, it could potentially be uh, tongue restriction, so a tongue tie. Okay, so very quickly we, we got into um, some of the details of your work and uh, how it can be useful to individuals but um, of different ages. Can we take a step back and uh, uh, maybe you introduce us to what is my functional therapy? Um, yeah? Yeah, of course. So my functional therapy is, is fairly simple um, and it's kind of like uh, physiotherapy for the face, the neck. Um, so it's a combination of exercises to improve your bites, your breathing, your facial posture. Um, so the, the training will target like the neck, the face, um, the tongue, obviously um, correcting the tongue's position. So it's up in the roof of the mouth. Um, creating a lip seal so the lips are always closed, maintaining nasal breathing. And then we look at the swallowing pattern as well. So when you swallow water or food, the tongue kind of should ripple and wave back. Um, and then the food should draw down like that. Sometimes when the tongue's restricted or there's a tie, um, people, children or adults may swallow by pushing the tongue out, so like a reverse swallow. Um, so yeah, it's basically the re-education of the face and neck muscles, um, re-educating someone how to swallow and chew correctly and breathe correctly. Um, so during sort of your myofunctional therapy sessions, there'll be these exercises. You may have a tongue tie release as well if you need it. Um, so you do the exercises before, get the tongue tie released and then do the exercises after um, so it doesn't reattach. Um, and you can kind of use those muscles freely and not sort of go back into those bad habits. Oh. So it sounds to me that uh, even for um, digestive purposes, uh, your work uh, can serve, right? Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, a lot, a lot of babies um, suffering with reflux. Um, it could be linked to a oral myofunctional therapy issue, um, which is interesting. After your advice, I, I recommend one of my clients uh, to a myofunctional therapy um, practitioner. He was based in in US, so I cannot send him to your clinic in Harley Street. And um, he, after his first session, he reported back to me that uh, a few of his symptoms, his therapy said that uh, they might be linked to tongue tie. And uh, although it is not very severe, it might still be worth going through an operation. Mm -hmm. How would, who would you say, you, you already spoke a few times about children and uh, their symptoms, but you also said that uh, you also work with uh, adults. Can you say, can we try to organize a little bit? Because there are so many different areas that we have touched uh, in the first uh, 10 minutes of our conversation in terms of who can benefit from 
uh, your work that uh, so that people can say, okay, you know what? I probably need to, to see Daniela or I need to, to see such an expert. What are the goals of, of, uh, of this practice? So your, for example, your client had, was it chronic headaches? Yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of people with um, TMJ issues, chronic headaches, chronic neck pain, chronic jaw pain. Um, this could be because the tongue fascia is so sort of thick um, that it pulls the, the jaw and overuses the jaw and the neck. Um, and that can lead to these chronic headaches and neck pain, back pain. Um, so things like that. Everywhere um, in the back? Sorry to interrupt you, but is it more upper back or even the lower back pain can be uh, responsible for that? Predominantly upper back um, okay. and neck. But um, it could... It could, of course, affect lower back because it could affect the diaphragm, the tongue, the fascia from the tongue, runs down through the diaphragm, through the psoas, all the way down to your toes. Um, so if you look at it on a diagram, it's really interesting to see that sort of connection. So, yeah, it could affect the diaphragm as well, which then affects your core stability, which can then affect lower back. Um, so... Yeah, it's all connected. So it could could potentially affect the lower back. Headache. As well. We said headache, headache. Uh, pain um, in the neck, uh, back. Uh, speech, speech issues, um, digestive issues, sleep apnea, snoring, um, posture, teeth grinding. Um, yeah, those are a few. Okay. Some, some children, even with ADHD, um, mm. and we, we, we know that from sort of uh, the breathwork stuff as well. Um, but sometimes, some cases that can be misdiagnosed, um, and they'll have a sleep study done on them and notice that they're sort of incorrect breathing and maybe a tongue tie as well, or sort of a problem within the, the mouth. Um, so yeah, ADHD as well. So it seems to me, Daniela, that uh, what uh, there is a lot of awareness these days about breathing, which is fantastic. And, uh, and you know, some books that have uh, come out, uh, some from Patrick McCone or James Nestor's book, or I think there are a few people now that preach the, the benefits of nasal breathing. Mm. But uh, there seems to me that uh, I, my functional therapy unravels another layer that may exist underneath why people cannot nasal breathe, which might yeah. have to do with the fascia and the um, function probably overall of the mouth. Is that correct? Would you say that this is? Yeah, yeah definitely. I think you're right. It um, sort of ravels another issue that may be causing the mouth breathing or the low tongue posture may create a high narrow palate and obviously the, the palate is the floor of the nasal cavity. So then you're restricting the size of the navel cavity. And then, yeah, it's kind of like chicken over chicken egg situation. Um, but yes, there's definitely a link there and another sort of layer. And you are working as a, a, in, in the clinic at Harley Street, which by the way, you should mention the name of the clinic so people can uh, check it out. You want to share? Yeah, My Functional Therapy UK. 
Um, and it's run by Yuli, who is, I call her a little Yoda because she's like a magician. She's she's amazing. She's got so much knowledge. Um, she does a lot of body work stuff as well. So yeah, definitely check her out. Okay, Myofunctional uh, Therapy UK. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're working there as, as a breath uh, work, uh, uh, as a breathing rehabilitation uh, practitioner. And yeah. uh, obviously, the, the, because of the, the, the name of the clinic is already Myofunctional Therapy, I would imagine that people are already like... Uh, um, coming for that type of service. So mm-hmm. they probably have also some of the symptoms that you described, but uh, also, you, you know, you work as a yoga teacher, how much of the total percentage of people that are mouth breathers, you would say, if you were to make a guess, due to this dysfunction in the fascia of their mouth and so how many would be just, uh, I don't know, habit, lack of knowledge, which of course I would imagine also maybe one affects the other, maybe. What, yes, what? yeah, no, yeah, uh, I, I'm not too sure, but um, one affects the other, definitely. Um, but a lot of it is habit for a lot of people, like um, miseducation of the breath, so many yoga classes I go to and the breath is taught. Um, mistaught I guess um and then that becomes habit um but I, I don't know I guess it's it, it's probably 50-50 at the moment um what I'm seeing okay okay um let, I, I, I we will go back into tongue tie and I would like to delve more into the uh, my functional therapy but uh, I'd like also to take the opportunity here because you know we are both yoga teachers and uh I'm sure there is, um, first of all, are we agreeing that uh, yoga has a lot to offer, uh, a lot of benefits to offer in terms of improving one's breathing? Yes, yes. Okay, Okay. so we agree that yoga is not, we are yoga teachers and we believe in yoga. All right. Now, with that said, uh, what what would you say uh, would be the, some of the misconceptions that people that go to yoga classes, maybe they are yoga teachers, may have in regards to uh, optimal breathing? I think um, heavy breathing, breathing very loud and heavy is often thought as good breathing within a yoga class. Um, A lot of, like predominantly throughout the class, uh, a lot of big exhales. Um, which are sometimes not always necessary, I think. What do you think? Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. What, what about, uh, and I'm sorry, of course, like, you know, we, are, we have both uh, done some similar studies, so obviously we have similar influences, but uh, I'm, I'm fully aware that uh, uh, there are people that probably hear this and there it's new to them, or... They have also heard from teachers that they highly respect and they are very knowledgeable in many ways that that, uh, big breaths are beneficial or even that sighing is uh, beneficial. I don't know if you have been exposed. There has been this like pattern that in the last maybe six months have become very popular. There was this study that said that uh, 
a short inhalation from the nose and a double sigh, mm. it's like, is the quickest way to relax. Uh, and of course, people all of a sudden may try to make this a pattern and a way of <laughs> relaxing. What do you think about that? Because, you know, like uh, there is people like, you know, they, they're like um, saying, okay, maybe double size is, is a good idea. What do you think? Well, if it's done like chronically and constantly, it's probably not gonna do that. Gonna do that. It's gonna do quite the opposite. Um, but maybe, maybe like now and again, or like. But then it just gets overused, especially within the class. Like big exhale, big sigh, big sigh, like constantly through the class. Um, and I think, I don't know. I think visually people think, oh, that is relaxing, like that sort of motion and that, what that sort of portrays. But yeah, I, I, that sounds counterproductive to me. Do, do, you, do you ever suggest uh, something like that, something among these lines in your classes? Um, no, I don't. Um, just because that can come once our breathing has been re-educated and is functional. Um, that maybe can come after, but most people need to work on re-educating their breathing and creating functional from dysfunctional. Yeah. That, takes, that takes a long time. Yeah, and uh, I, I would say that uh, uh, I'm, I'm fully aware of that and uh, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate or uh, be annoying here. Uh, I, I, I think uh, we're on the same page. Very quickly, uh, I, I, the way that I would uh, um, explain is that having a, a, a spoon of sugar is going to give you a high, but this mm. cannot be the way of uh, increasing your energy levels or re-educating your, your palate or, or your digestive tract. It's actually like, you know, similar thing with what we, one is achieving with a double exhalation. The fact that it has mm. been shown to relax someone, that means nothing. And I think as teachers or uh, therapists, we don't want to give people, I mean, probably quick fixes. We want to, as you said, educate and train them so that they don't need them. They don't need this double sigh or they don't need this... Uh, scoop of uh, sugar um that's a good analogy uh, now um tongue tie Uh, you mentioned a few times can you describe it because uh, i bet that there are a few people watching or listening that uh, they don't exactly get like they think like how do i know my tongue tie you you seem to present it as a very common uh, thing but my tongue is there (laughs) it's not tied at all (laughs) Um, so tongue tie develops in utero um, and if it develops um, it restricts so it's the frenium this bit uh-huh. um, underneath your tongue um, I do have a tongue tie which I need to get released um, it, it's not yes I will get it released okay. it's not um severe but it's still it's still a tongue tie and it restricts the back of my tongue from reaching the roof of the mouth the front of my tongue no problem it's sort of an anterior tongue tie um so sometimes some tongue ties tongue ties where the frenium's really tight will really restrict the range of movement um limit the range of movement in the mouth um 
So Yuli, the lady who runs My Functional Therapy UK, one of the tools that she has invented um, goes inside the mouth and really tries to sort of open and release the fascia inside the mouth. So someone with quite a restricted tongue would have sort of quite sort of tight fascia around the face oh, and the neck. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's levels of, of tongue tie. Um, and some people are so restricted that the speech, that's what causes the speech issues because the lack of range of movement. Um, some people like myself um, can use myofunctional therapy to sort of increase the uh, decrease the tension in the frenium and increase range of movement, um, but will still benefit from getting it cut. Um, have I answered your question? Not really. <laughs> I think you did. No, 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 no. I, I think you did. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask yeah. some follow up questions, which hopefully will clarify things even more. But no, I think. Uh, you explained very well the, what is the issue with tongue tie, what it means to have a tongue tie. It's not something like uh, a knot that you see. Uh, <laughs> so the, I assume based on what you said that there is a way of assessing, there is some assessment, some tests that you run in order to determine if someone's tongue is, if there is such a problem, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you'd have to go through quite a big assessment. They take... Oh, okay. um, many measurements of your of your mouth uh, look your palate um and yeah and then they'd assess uh some functional dentists um who may be my functional therapist as well um could also assess for a tongue tie okay so it's it's, it's a full consultation basically to assess if there is such a, um, an issue and uh, the operation that you referred to a few times is uh, um it lasts how long? Um, it's quite a short operation. It's, it's if as a baby, normally it's just cut quite quickly. I mean, they can tell sort of straight away as a baby, and they they may cut it. Um, however, that really should be followed up with my functional therapy so it doesn't reattach. Um, but the operation is not very long. Um, often now it's done with like a, a laser. Um, okay. And sometimes it's stitched up and you can sort of eat within sort of the next day or so. Um, so it's not, it's not too long of an operation. The recovery is okay. Um, okay. And then you'd probably start your myofunctional therapy a week after the operation once it's healed a little more. Okay. And the myofunctional therapy... I would imagine it depends on the severity of the individual and, but how long does it usually last? Uh, probably eight weeks before and after a tongue tie operation, you do eight weeks of my functional therapy. And you can sometimes see in the before and after pictures, faces change quite drastically, dramatically. Um, cheekbones are higher, eyes are wider, jaw maybe becomes wider or sort of more better sort of formed um so that's kind of an added added benefit okay and uh it, it seems like now you're in competition with the uh, plastic surgery yeah <laughs> i was actually just have you read this book jaws i was recommended this book but i have not read it it's good okay. and uh i was just looking at this picture 
for those that are listening to the podcast, uh, it, we, you know, you can uh, see the, the video on YouTube. But yeah, please show it. Show. So here is two images of the lips. Wow, much more um, full the lips on the right. Yeah, so the lips become more full when the jaw is forward and the posture is correct. Um, so yeah, no, no lip fillers there. <laughs> mm, that amazing and uh yeah like it, it goes to show that we retrain our body to operate the way it is meant to and uh, it becomes more beautiful and yeah, uh, like, uh like the skull the skull fifteen thousand years ago would, mm -hmm. would predominantly have straight teeth wide jaw forward facial facial growth um as you know, we're not we're not meant to have crooked teeth. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to 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 speak about the link between tongue tie and mouth breathing? You you touched upon, but because it was very quick, I think some of the listeners may have uh, missed it. But there is a reason why tongue tie people will have um, a more be more prone to mouth breathing. It has to do with how it all affects the um, nasal. Uh, opening at the back yeah so if the tongue is restricted so much so that it sits at the bottom of the mouth um this may cause the mouth to hang open for example um and then if a baby from a very young age is breathing in this way with the mouth open um the face grows long and narrow. I was a big mouth breather as a child, long, narrow face, um, high palate. And like I said before, the palate is the floor of the nasal cavity that reduces the size of the nasal cavity. Um, and then when maybe they try to nasal breathe, it's more difficult um, or it becomes, obviously when you breathe through the mouth, say the tongue is low and the mouth is open and you begin to breathe through the mouth, the nose will congest and that will perpetuate it and then continually cause mouth breathing. So yeah, it could just literally be because it's so restricted and it's to the bottom, it um, keeps the mouth open. Um, and then that could even lead to thumb sucking. So the tongue, when it's resting to the roof of the mouth is um, kind of stimulating the bundle of nerves that's um, connected to our parasympathetic nervous system. So often when a child has like a, a sort of a comforter on the face or something in the mouth, they're trying to do what the tongue's meant to do, create that connection and connect to that bundle of nerves, which is sort of just there under the palate. Um, so yeah, I went off on a tangent again, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all fan fantastic. And it all gives more of a more uh, nice picture or the, or the full gives the full picture of how something that may be seeming like uh, relevant only to people that have read uh, Patrick's uh, books uh, is very mm. much goes back to their childhood. And the, of course, I guess how they will be helping their children and why their children have certain behaviors. Um while we are um, on, on the topic of the tongue, would you like to uh, give us a little bit more of uh, information on how this can also link to posture? 
Mm. And maybe even, I think, to even walking. I think uh, this can also be like two areas that uh, may not seem obvious in the beginning, but they are also associated. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so, so the tongue fascia is one continuous band that draws down the body through the neck, into the thorax, into the arms, uh, through the psoas, um, all the way down um, to the toes. Um, and if there is a restriction, if there's sort of like a pulling, this could pull the body in, in different ways. And then the whole structure, for example, could tilt to one side. Um, and this could affect the spine and the way the discs sit together. Um, this could then potentially lead to scoliosis or lordosis. Um, and then it could also affect how the feet land on the floor. Um, so a lot of toddlers toe walk, um, and that could also be a sign of a restriction in the mouth. Um, posture as well. So if the tongue is low and drawing back, and maybe pressing on the airways, um, our body will adapt. So the head would draw forward. So we've got an opening so we can breathe properly. Um, when we're our heads forwards, our shoulders forwards, that's going to completely throw everything off balance and, of course, change the way we walk, um, change the way the feet land on the floor. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all connected. It's all connected. So, obviously, the, the take-home message, I think, is tongue at the top of the palate as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Mouth closed. Yeah, lip sealed. Lip sealed. Um, mm-hmm. do, how would you, uh, until you go and see your specialist, because there might be a lot more educa- re-education and a lot more release and even an operation that might be needed. But, yeah. you know, if you're listening to that now, start keeping the uh, tongue at the top of the palate and uh, doing uh, the lip sealed um, action uh it's starting point. I guess it will hopefully feed in into any other exercises that you will be giving people to do, correct? Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And trying to swallow with the tongue to the roof of the mouth as well and creating that wave motion to the tongue sort of waves back when you swallow. So how, how would you advise people to do that, that last bit? So if they were to swallow, how would the, they make sure that they do this movement that you just described? So practice by taking maybe a sip of water, keeping the tongue to the roof of the mouth and imagine sort of creating a wave-like motion back. So drawing it back. Um, Yeah, you've got to practice it. Maybe see how you swallow. Because you do it naturally. You don't don't think about it, really. Yeah, yeah. But naturally, we do a lot of things in theory correctly like walking but we know that a lot of us walk like ducks or like yeah. <laughs> we don't have the ideal uh, walking gait let alone yeah or the swallowing gait a uh, swallowing pattern uh, now let's go back into yoga because uh, i have a personal interest to learn more uh, can you give us i i, I know that uh, you know, your yoga classes may vary in terms of how much emphasis you put on, or I assume that may vary. And there will be some yoga classes that you will be 
much more focused on breathing and some others at the asana aspect or other elements that you want to address. But obviously with the knowledge that you have, there is no way you can ignore and not say anything, right? And you don't think that there is a basic level of information that everybody would uh, follow. So what would, uh, which are these cues? Let's say someone cannot attend your classes. I assume that there are people that are not local to you <laughs> listening. Yeah. I mean, I guess they can always reach out to you for online uh, sessions. But uh, what are the things that the, you would suggest everybody to start doing in the class that they will be attending next? Um, so obviously, I always instruct tongue to the palate. Um, I do quite a lot of myofascial release in within my yoga class, mm. really simple stuff, um, using the tennis ball, uh, predominantly in the SAWAS area. Um, a lot of work with the accessory muscles. So if you do have problems like with TMJ, uh, chronic headaches, um, neck pain, so a lot of neck, shoulder um, focus. Um, and yeah, the, the, the class is heavily focused around the breath, normally, my yoga classes. Okay, okay. So you, you, do, you do have a lot of emphasis. So you are telling people to... So you have these uh, techniques, uh, these fascia uh, release techniques for the psoas. Uh, you said also about the jaw, the, some TJ, TMJ release techniques. You encourage... Uh, um, tongue at the top of the palate anywhere or at the back as much as possible um so it's, it's the tongue should kind of be like a blanket it should just all sort of sit on top not like with force just gently just just sit there but yeah the back if you can get the back up as well and the front but it shouldn't touch the front teeth it should just sit behind the front teeth um you don't want to push the teeth forward with the tongue. Okay. Uh, you probably are not very keen on seeing mouths open, I assume. Mm. Um, any, anything else? Yeah, it's already quite a f- some uh, useful information, but anything else you would uh, suggest people to start doing during their, their yoga classes? Uh, let me think. Just, of course, keeping that connection of tongue to palate, but keeping the jaw soft as well. Often people mm. think that means keep everything tense, but that connection and then keeping it relaxed. So finding that, that balance of, you know, tension and relaxation. Um, yes. I see. And um, when, when it comes to... Uh, postures have you seen some postures being more prone to causing dysfunctional breathing than others or styles of yoga yeah yeah definitely um i think when things are potentially forced or um when there's pain or someone's mm. gone too far, the breath gets faster, um, heavier, and things like that. Um, yeah, some styles of yoga 
can affect the breath. But then, then I think it's the the instructor really how mm-hmm. how how they're instructing it. Like no matter what style, um, you can you can still functionally breathe if you're instructed to functionally breathe. Okay. And uh, I would like to you ask you three last uh, questions, uh, which uh, are um, yeah. Uh, your favorite breathing exercise? Um, my favorite breathing exercise is breathing light um, and breathing slow. So I have quite a nice audio. Um, my partner, fortunately, makes music, which is good. Um, and he creates different audios to sync up with breath patterns. Um, so my favorite breathing exercise is using a particular audio that really simple, just instructs six in and six out. Slight pause at the top and at the end. So breathing slow and breathing light using that piece of music. Okay. Would you be happy to share that uh, exercise? So you can give me the link and I will put it in the description. Awesome. Of course. Uh, second, second question. If you were to wake up in 10 uh, for the next, if you were to wake up in 10 years time, so it would be 2032, I guess, and uh, switch on the TV and hear in the news, in the BBC news, some breaking news that would make you very happy. What would that news be? Um, I think that my functional therapy would be, um, well, I'd hope it'd be in the next couple of years, but it would be more well-known. It'd be something that's uh, on the NHS, um, okay. something that's accessible to uh, parents. Um, and just because these things can have such a lasting and profound effect on someone's life. So a tongue tie could then potentially cause sleep apnea. Sleep apnea could your, what, I don't know what the stat was, might not be getting it right, but you're four times more likely to develop cancer if you've got sleep apnea. And then something that can be done from a baby if that knowledge was sort of out there more, um, so many things could potentially be stopped. Awesome. Yeah. So hopefully before 2032, BBC News will be announcing that the t- uh, myofunctional therapy is part of uh, every NHS uh, practice. Yes. And uh, <laughs> okay. And uh, last question What are your plans uh, for uh, the coming up? Uh, year for the you know the remaining of 2022 and moving to the next year um so my plans are to try and get this information um out there a little bit more more accessible um using um social platforms and doing more sort of talks on the subject um targeting parents children at schools even teenagers um and just trying to really get the information out there and educating other people about it. Um, so that's my plans. I need to get going. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, you will be um, giving me the information on how people can find you so that they can contact you if they want to, to arrange uh, such a talk or a workshop for their school or organization. 
because as you said, it is like uh, <laughs> very much needed and they're often overlooked. Hopefully on the back of, of uh, all the nasal awareness that has arisen, I think uh, uh, my functional therapy has a good chance of becoming more uh, mainstream, yeah. let's say. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. Thank you very much for joining me today. It has been a pleasure. I've definitely learned a lot myself. I hope the listeners also found some of the, um, the information useful. Yes, and, it's been great. Thank you. And uh, I, I'm very, I'm pretty sure that uh, we will be working closely in the near future, whether it is under the Oxygen Advantage umbrella or in some other form, because you are a wealth of information and uh, you don't seem to be stopping anytime soon in terms of learning more and uh, doing more things. And uh, yeah, yeah, I want to be part of, of, of your world. Me too. That would be great. Thank you. Cheers.